This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Hello, I am Mark McNally. I see some familiar faces, but I've only preached over here once uh, recently. So uh, just to let you know, I am pastor of Church at the Center, uh, which is a church plant on Sunday afternoons and evenings here on campus. And we are doing a joint series, Church at the Center and Schweitzer, really excited about it, called Action Speak Louder Than. Anyone help me finish the common phrase? No, Bob, come on, you know. Words, actions speak louder than words. And I want to share some stories about how that is uh, very true in my life right now. Okay, I just recently got married. Uh, my beautiful bride, Caitlin, is, is in the room, so uh, she's going to get embarrassed by this. But, you know, in every relationship, communication is key, right? You've got to learn how to communicate with each other. And so actions and reactions are a constant dynamic in relationships. And so apparently my action of leaving dirty dishes in the sink when the dishwasher is not run is that's a problem okay and so here is her reaction dishwasher is dirty sign above the sink all right dishwasher is dirty sign on the dishwasher can anybody try to if you were on facebook this week and you're my friend on there you you know that we got like 17 comments of people trying to help me out what is she trying to say all right well, I reacted properly, and I am now, even this morning when I was busy, putting my dirty dishes in the dishwasher. Action. Yeah, thank you. All right. Marital counseling is very expensive, so this is much easier. So I decided <laughs> to do that. And so action, putting the notes up. Reaction, putting the dishes in the dishwasher. And then when it comes to parenting, those of you that have blended families can understand it's challenging uh, to blend families and, and do discipline the same way. And so she has a four-year-old daughter and I have a six-year-old son. There's the two goofballs. And so what we're trying to work out is what works, what, what action as parenting and discipline correction works for us to get the proper reaction out of them. And we have found that reducing, well, what would it be called? So like we move their, their bedtimes up instead of eight o'clock at 745. Oh, you disobeyed? Okay, bam, that's 7.30. You want 7.15? It works. Apparently, like, putting them to bed early is the death sentence for kids. They, they can't stand this. So those of you with toddlers and a little above that age, you can send us royalties on that. It is working. Um, but just this whole idea of action and reaction is, is a part of our life that, that we can kind of just connect with. Yeah, that's, that's real. That's a truism about human life. But then I look at my walk with the Lord and it doesn't necessarily always connect. I was converted in a, in a dramatic experience about eight years ago, and, and I know the Lord plugged into the church. I've seen God work through many of your lives and, and miracles performed through the church, and, and I still at times wonder about my reaction to that. These actions of God, which speak so loud in my life, in the church's life, in your lives, and yet my life tends to still have too much sin in it. And I tend to be too selfish. And my life just doesn't have that, that life that Jesus seemed to offer us and that he seemed to live in the Gospels. This, this man that was sinless, this man that was selfless, this, this God-man that, that was on this adventure through the world to redeem all things. And so action in our spiritual life from God should prompt a reaction in our lives so um, I'm going to do something a little heady on us here. Newton's third law of motion. Uh, Jason, do you know the thir third law of motion from Newton? That's one of the books you haven't read recently. Okay. 
Well, it is, let me read it to you. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Don't ask me the first two because I didn't need them for the sermon. But that is Newton's third law. And it's, it's a truism in our, in our lives is that it, in our spiritual life, it should be the same way. Every action should prompt to compel an equal and opposite reaction in our relationship with God. So what I want to do is launch this series called Action Speak Louder Than... Okay, and I want us to look at the first action of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, which is calling his disciples. Two very important and powerful passages. Jesus is calling Peter from the seashore and Matthew from the tax collector book. So if you have your Bibles, open them. If you have your Bible apps, you're free to go there. No one will judge you or think you're on Facebook. We'll assume you're on your Bible app. The text is also on the screen. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we have worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, for now on you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi, known in the rest other places in the Gospels as Matthew. Matthew is sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and he left everything and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests were also with him. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, Why do you eat with and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those, come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. All right, we're going to walk through four actions of Jesus in this text that we hope, that we pray, will compel the proper reaction in those of us that follow him. And the first action is that Jesus teaches the kingdom. Right there in that first verse, it says that people pressed in around him and that he taught the word of God. They wanted to listen to the word of God. There had to be something compelling about Jesus. I know in the American church and me as a preacher, oftentimes I want to give you things to do. I am built to, to come up here and say, do this, don't do that. I have a little bit of a teaching gene in me. And Jesus did something different. Jesus' teaching was compelling. People were drawn to him. People pressed into him to hear the word of God. And what was the word of God? It was not as much about things that we should be doing, but something we should be. It was the kingdom. He preached the kingdom of God. And when you preach the kingdom of God, signs and wonders come with that. 
The boats were filling over. And in other places, he connects his teachings with the miracles. And the, and the Acts, in the Acts of the Apostles, the apostles have the Holy Spirit. And their preaching comes with signs and wonders and miracles. So my question for you, and my confession actually first, is too often I get up here and I give you good advice. Things you should be doing, the, the truths of Scripture, the moral teachings of Scripture. When what we need to be doing more as Christian preachers and teachers is having you crowd in around us so that you can hear us describe and compel you into a kingdom life. And there's a difference between the kingdom life and a religious life. A religious life is you get up and you feel like you have to go and, and do the worship attendance thing. You have to do your devotion. You're just constantly grinding out a sin management kind of lifestyle with, with those things that are destroying you. A kingdom life is different. In the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached, Jesus gives some, some commands, do unto others. He's got things like that in there, but he starts it off with the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes go something like this. Blessed are you if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus is describing a kingdom life. Do you have that good news kind of kingdom life in you today? In the church, about three years ago, there was a good and beautiful series that we went through, and it was authored by James Bryan Smith. And he, if you haven't read these books or you weren't around back then, please look them up. What they do, and I don't have a lot of time to get into them, but he does a great job. The thread of the teaching is to turn the false narrative of religion upside down on its head so that we can start to live in the kingdom of God, the Jesus narrative. And, and so it's a great series of great series of books that you can look into to try to find out what I'm talking about here when it means that Jesus taught the word of God. He didn't just teach us to do's. He taught us what we could be. The second action is Jesus chooses his followers. Now at the time, the Jewish students would go and they would seek out their rabbis. And they would, they would apply, much like our students do to school. Students apply at schools. People looking for employment, uh, they apply for an employer. Uh, this was true of the time. Jesus turned like he does so often in the gospel narratives. He turns this tradition on its head. He, he chose the upside-down kingdom in that this rabbi went out and he chose his students. This is not subtle theologically whatsoever. He said later on in his walk with the disciples, I chose you. You didn't choose, choose me. This is a powerful truth of the gospel that Jesus has a love for us that is, that is so chosen. He has come after you. If you have a, a stepchildren, if you have adopted children, you know this kind of love. And it's not that we don't love our biological children, but that love that you have in it, when it's a chosen love is, is very, very powerful. The other thing about Jesus' followers, he went out and he chose them instead of most rabbis coming to choose him. But with his followers, he didn't go out and choose like when, a, when they do recruit today, like when coaches go out and recruit players, they go and recruit the best, right? So you would think Jesus is going to go out and he's going he's to find the synagogues where the, the students are scribing the Torah and they're memorizing it, right? That's who Jesus went to, right? Is anyone following with me? Say, no, that's not who. Okay, good. I saw a couple nods. No, he went to the seashore. He grabbed some blue-collar fishermen. He grabbed a tax collector. He grabbed one of the most hated people of the religion that he was going out, the Jewish religion that he was going out to teach and preach. He also, among them, was a radical, a revolutionary, one that had tried to overthrow Rome, became a first apostle of Jesus. 
So if you feel like you just can't connect with just people in the institutional church, if you look at that and you're like, no, I just can't be that good, or, um, and by the way, they're not as good as you think they are, and if you just feel like you're just, you can't measure up, and, and you're too outside the, the kind of moral framework, this picture of what it should look like to be a follower of Jesus your whole life, Jesus today in this text is calling you to a new mindset to see that he chose you. If you're here today and you're hearing this passage of scripture, Jesus' desire is for you to hear this call on your life. The third action is Jesus focuses on people. Bob is really excited right now about getting us whipped up into this frenzy about the Great Commission. Okay, these were the words of Jesus. It's called the Great Commission. It's the end of Matthew 28. And he's about to ascend into heaven. And and he says the following. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. I have been given that. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. His passion is connecting with this this aspect of Jesus' ministry that was about people. Have you ever thought about some facts of Jesus' three-year ministry on earth? He didn't build a building. Jesus never built a building. Jesus never wrote a book or a Bible study. Jesus never, never gathered his disciples around and said, okay, open up your Bibles to Hosea 2. He didn't. As I said earlier, he got them together, he went on this adventure, and he taught them the kingdom. He taught them what it was like to live in the presence of God with the power of God and to walk in everyday life like this. And the way that you do that is one-on-one in relationship with people and program. Okay, back. don't hear me say that worship attendance is a bad thing and Bible studies are a bad thing because they are not. (laughs) I participate. I'm fed by those things. But if they don't connect us to people, they're empty religious activities at best. They have to connect people who are following Jesus with people who need to follow Jesus in a deeper way. Or like I said, they're empty religious activities. And that's what we want to be about on this campus. We want to have programs, but have them be tools for connecting people in relationship. Have them be means for some other end, and that's for inviting people into the kingdom. So what were Peter and Matthew doing immediately after they're following Jesus? Well, in verse 10, it says that Peter would go, and he would now no longer fish for fish, but he would fish for people. Hey, yeah, you're you're, you're along with me. Good. Matthew, uh, in verse 29, it says that he had some people over to his house. The very night that he chose to leave everything and follow Jesus, he has people over to connect with Jesus. Alpha is a program right now. Uh, I see some faces that are involved in Alpha. It's a fantastic program, and what I love about it is as much as I love to promote ministry, I'm this entrepreneurial guy. I love doing the promotion videos and the Facebook posts, and the, but you know what? What really feeds my soul is whenever people come through the Alpha program and they meet the person of Jesus Christ and they're forever transformed. Chris Estes is one of those people. He's moved on to another church, but, but this guy, he's in one of the videos and he was a staunch atheist and his wife was very involved at Schweitzer and she talked him into coming on Alpha. Well, he came to faith in uh, Christ and then he invited his atheist buddy to come through the next course who came to faith in Christ. It's exciting, right? This is really exciting stuff when people start inviting people to live into the kingdom of God. And that happens through programs. We're going to talk about some different things that you can plug into 
a little bit later. But whenever you serve in ministry, my question for you is, are you just checking a, I served on the greeting team this morning. I put my time in in the kids' ministry. I went next door and served in the food pantry. Man, I know that can, that can start to be your mindset sometimes. Life gets hard, but if it does, what if, you tur- what if you turned that around and you started seeing every ministry and program of the church as an opportunity to connect with people? The way that I pray Jesus Christ has connected with you. The fourth action is that Jesus asks for commitment. Later on in Luke's gospel in chapter 18, uh, there's another story of someone who Jesus interacts with, and those two words, follow me, come out. And uh, to paraphrase the story, it's a rich young ruler, and he comes up to Jesus. He says, how can I inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, you know the commandments, and he gave him actually commandment 5 through 10, which the Ten Commandments has four vertical commandments, which is between us and God, 5 through 10, the last six are between us, each other. And so he gives him that, you know, don't lie, don't shield, honor your father and mother, do not commit adultery. And the rich young ruler, who must have been dealing with pride issues, said, oh, I've done all of that. (laughs) Yeah, right, I know. (laughs) And so Jesus says, well then, okay, um, then sell all your possessions, give them to the poor. And two words, anybody know what they were? And starts with an F. Follow me, right. Follow me. There's that word again, right? Same as Matthew, same as Peter. The rich young young ruler walks away very sad because he had many possessions. Every one of us in here, at one point in our life, will hear those two words. You may have heard them already. This may be the day that the Holy Spirit is amplifying them in your heart and your mind. When you hear the words, follow me, Jesus is asking for a commitment. Now, what does that look like? Does it look like wealth and possessions? Well, Janet Price, uh, who is a dear saint in the church, we were in Christian Believer, another program, a great program Jim Mason leads here on campus, and Janet was at a, at a table with me and some others, and we were studying the Rich Young Ruler passage, and uh, she is very blunt. Uh, she's fantastic to be in group discussion with, and she says, well, Mark, because I'm the radical at the time, like five years ago. I didn't know much, but, but I was radical anyway, so, well, I don't, so, Mark, are we supposed to sell all our possessions to follow Jesus? And in a rare moment that I get where I say something I think is directly from God, hopefully it's more now than then, but for sure then it was directly from God. I said, I don't know, Janet. Are you supposed to give up all your possessions? follow Jesus? The point was this, maybe. You know, if your ears are open, your heart is ready to answer the call of Jesus, you'll hear what it is that you need to leave behind. It might be wealth and possessions. It might be a vocation God doesn't want you in. It might be a relationship that is drawing you away from the kingdom. It might be a destructive habit might be a hobby that just wastes so much time and takes you off of the path toward God. Whatever it is, Jesus is asking you to leave it behind and follow him. Now, if you think it's just, oh, this is going to be brutal. He's going to ask me to leave everything behind. And yeah, I'm doing it for the great by and by in heaven. I'll get my store treasures in heaven. Okay, right? Yeah, no. Here's what Jesus says at the end of the rich young ruler parable in Luke 18. He says this, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life 
and will have eternal life in the world to come. Here's what I can tell you after eight years of following Jesus. Yeah, it's hard. It's sacrificial. You leave things behind, but it's worth it. He comes through on that promise, and he will. If the actions of Jesus in this series, in this passage today, compel you to react, to respond, to leave what you need to leave behind and follow him, it will be worth it. I, pr- I can promise you that. I can't promise you your circumstances are going to be rosy. I can't promise everybody's going to go along with you that, that in your life, even that you love. But I can promise you it will be worth it. And if you want a fifth action today to help compel you, we're in the season of Lent. We're moving through 40 days where Jesus, where we're following Jesus in his preparation to the cross. It was during this time, heading toward what we celebrate as East, Good Friday and Easter, that Jesus turned his head to the cross, and he knew what it was going to cost him. It cost him so much anguish the night before that he sweat drops of blood and cried out for another way. And he did that so that you could respond today. He went through that so that we could hear his voice through the Holy Spirit and respond the way Matthew, the way Peter, James, John, and Andrew and so many millions since have responded. If you're looking for a place to do that, you're like, yes, I'm ready. I'm leaving that behind, whatever it is. God's church is the place to step into. Where did the disciples go? They went with Jesus. What was Jesus doing? Well, he was walking around with a bunch of Christians showing the world the kingdom of God. Well, what is the expression of that in today's world? That's the church. Bill Heibel says that the local church is the hope of the world. I love that quote. So if you're ready to take a step out in faith, I want to offer up some ministries. And and before I do that, I want to assure you, if you're sitting there and you're like, man, I'm still a mess. So, So like, what do I have to like put in order before I can actually make this call to follow him? Well, let's look through the narratives. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, whenever they chose to leave their nets behind and their booths behind, their businesses, their families, to follow Jesus. In this passage, in Luke 5, they were a mess too. Okay, they still got the teachings wrong. They still were constantly confused. They still tripped up. But you know what? They changed the direction of their life, and they placed themselves under a new Lord. So you don't have to be perfect to do this. You just have to be willing to answer the call. And in Church at the Center, the the Sunday evening worshiping community, three places you can do that are in our transportation team. We pick up about 20 people, uh, 15 to 20 people every Sunday to come and worship with us and share a meal that don't have transportation. We have a meal team that puts together our meals that we have every week for our kids and adults, which is around 100 people to 120 people a Sunday. And we also have a kids ministry that is growing, and we need people serving in the kids ministry. And we invite people from Schweitzer into serving opportunities there. So if you would, um, if you'd allow me at this time, I would like to offer up different, oh, the place in the serve menu to do that is number 95, and to walk you through some other areas of serving on the serve menu in Schweitzer, for you to take those steps of faith, I want to invite Pastor Bob up at this time. Well, good morning, everyone, and I'm so grateful for Mark in uh, talking uh, about how we're called to, to follow Jesus in everything that we do. Uh, Mark, in his message, he talked about how that Jesus didn't build anything. He didn't build any buildings. 
but he, but he did build a community. And Jesus is building communities. And at Schweitzer, we are about building a community of faith and building a culture where everyone that steps onto this campus or anyone that connects with people from Schweitzer and Church at the Center want to be a part of that community. And so what I want to do is simply walk us through some of the highlights of these opportunities to serve where we're serving in God's kingdom. And if you're someone that's serving in a lot of different areas and you're going to continue serving in those areas, you don't have to to write any number down at all. If you are someone that would like to do something new and feel like you're called to try one new thing of ministry, I want you to take your connection card out now and keep that in one hand. And as we walk through this, you'll notice in the brochure, every ministry in the brochure has a number in front of it. And you'll simply take the number of the brochure and you'll put it on the connection card and place that in the offering bag in just a moment. Now, as we walk through this, you'll notice that there's various areas in which you can serve. Find your passion, your talent, your giftedness, where the Spirit is leading you, and find that one place of ministry that you want to connect to. And if you're brand new to Schweitzer, guess what? Uh, You can still serve, and you can grow in the way that you serve others. Um, Under administration, number 11, office receptionist. I can't think of of a more important role in the sense that the first voice that someone hears on the phone or the first face that someone sees when they walk into our office area is the face, the voice of the receptionist. For that person to be gracious, to be welcoming, to be friendly, it's so important. What a wonderful ministry for a gal or a guy in which to serve. Under the care ministries, there are several ways in which you can touch the lives of other people who are going through hurting times, difficult times. One of the things that we're really new at and is going so well is our snail mail ministry, where it's not cards you buy in the store, but they're being created by our own Schweitzer people. And they're touching the lives of people who are going through sickness or who are homebound or going through crisis and touched in various ways. If you want to be a part of that particular ministry, 23 is your number. Under the community ministry, we're doing a lot of things missionally in this community. Look those things over. Choose one for yourself. You know, the Good News Club, number 34, is an awesome ministry at Pittman School where children are learning that Jesus Christ is not a swear word. And they're, they're coming into relationship with Jesus. Um, the tutoring ministry, number 36, if you've got 45 minutes a week and you want to tutor a child on helping them know how to read, what a gift. Under the first impressions ministry, number 40, you get a T-shirt on this one, a green T-shirt. But an opportunity, again, to create this atmosphere, this hospitality, when everyone, anyone walks in this, these doors on a Sunday morning, They're greeted, they're welcomed, they're not invisible, they're seen. And you help them to find that connection around the building and any information that they're seeking. Under the kids' ministry, we got oodles of opportunities to serve in our kids' ministry, but the one that we need have a real need for right now is number 52, which is sitters on Tuesday mornings for our mops, mothers of preschool children. 
man, there is some significant stuff going on in the lives of these young women because sitters are taking care of their kids and blessing their kids and even helping to discipleship their kids as these mothers are being discipled on Tuesday mornings. And my own daughter and my grandson is a beneficiary of this ministry. Is this important or what? Under the ministry of media, um, two things. Audio engineer, you get to connect with this awesome guy right here who's not paying any attention to me, <laughs> K.J. Rokey, with slight operation. You get to connect with the Taylor Likes, two great young men. And these ministries are helping to connect people, not just in worship, but throughout the week. And so what an awesome opportunity. Under the music ministry, you can be a part of the praise band. You can check it out on number 64 and connect again with K.J. Rolke. Under the prayer ministry, there's two significant ministries that you can be a part of. Under Transformation Hub, numbers 80, the food pantry ministry in particular is a ministry that's open Monday through Thursday, 9 to 2. All kinds of folks walk in our doors. It's not just another food pantry. And as people are being blessed and served with food, they receive prayer, but more than that, they, they engage in conversation, in connection. If you want to be a part of this ministry, then mark number 80 on your connection card. Mark referred to number 85 as the church at the center. If you want to serve in the ministry of church at the center, 85 is your number. Under the youth ministry, number 100. Tim Smith has a growing ministry with our youth, our teenagers, our students, and he's in need of more small group facilitators that will serve well on Wednesday nights. Well, this is simply uh, put, if, you, if you're already doing this stuff, don't write a number down. That just adds to the collation. But if you want to do something new, something different that you're not currently doing, would you just write the correlating number on the blank and place this in the offering bag? Uh, as it's passed uh, along with your gifts of ministry. Thank you for um, letting Schweitzer be a community that is helping people to know the love of Jesus Christ and to get to know him personally. And everything that we do is for that purpose. Um, as we go into a time of worship and the ushers come up, um, I just want to pray uh, for us. Jesus, we love you. This is, this is all about you. This is about you building your community of faith. And you're the cornerstone here. And we get to be part of this, this building, this, these blocks of ministry that, that go up, that are visible, tangible ways of your love. I want to pray today for the person that's hurting, for the person that's devastated, for the person that's overwhelmed right now. And I pray that you would just bless them with a sense of your presence. And God, I pray that you would help each of us to look into our lives and our hearts and our spirits, and we would see the giftedness, the natural talents and abilities, the passions that you give us, the desires of our heart. And you would help those, those of us to connect to that one area of ministry or that one thing you're calling us to do, but more than anything, God, pray that we would hear you, Jesus. You would, you would help us to hear us 
speak your name. And you would help us to respond in dropping any net that gets in the way. And just gladly, joyfully, freely, eagerly follow you. This is so much all about you. Bless the commitment that we make today in your name. Amen.